Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Beware of the dogs. Now, uh, if you 
you know, reading the scriptures and understanding some of the Jewish culture, particularly the Pharisees, um, you know, their reference to dogs, they don't have, have a culture like we do with animals right now, where everyone has a dog, you love it, you sleep with it, you, know, you take care of it, you groom it, you go on vacation with it. Dogs were kind of nasty creatures. They're eating everything, all the garbage in the garbage piles. They look like everybody's buddy back then. And so, when they, when they say we refer to people as dogs, it wasn't really a nice thing to refer people like that. And that really was how the Pharisees would view the Gentiles. Gentiles were really the dogs. Because they weren't God's chosen people. They were, you know, they were separate from the covenant. They were separate from the law, separate from all of the things that they could done. So, but Paul turns that around in a moment. He says to them, beware of the dogs, to the followers of Jesus. Now, he's speaking to many who are Gentiles, so he's not speaking about them. He's speaking about, actually, the Pharisees, turning it on those who would call others dogs. He say they really are the dogs. Here, um, the Judaizers, the legalists would be another way to describe them. He says, beware of them. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Those who claim you must be circumcised and saved. Those folks. Verse 3, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus. They put no confidence in the flesh. They can take pride in some things. Take pride in Christ Jesus. Take pride in what He has done. That our boasting, in other ways He described it, that our boasting would be not in ourselves, not in what we can do or what we've done, but in Jesus, what He's done. My boast is in Him. We can boast about Him. Take pride in what Jesus has done. Put no confidence in our flesh. That goes against all the things how Paul grew up with. Really. Going against all those things. We're going to talk more about that. Verse 4. Although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. And he starts listing it. I was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found in blameless. That's a, that's a pretty good pedigree out there going, right? Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. I count them as loss. Verse 8, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish. Some of your translations might say garbage or dumb, actually, is some of the translations say. I count all those things that were, that I used to boast about, that I would tell other people about, that I found my identity in, I count them It's like rubbish to me now. About a week ago, I was reading a statement by a Christian author. Uh, I don't know if I'll read another name. But they were writing, I think, where he 
seeking out of the church for having talked about so much about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And he was saying, what we really need to focus on is this love of other people. I was just I couldn't agree with that. I disagree with that. Could agree less. We are supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is one of the most amazing things that there is. In fact, in Paul's writing, he throws everything else away so that he can have personal relationship with Jesus. So that he can know God. Everything else goes away. Everything else goes in the garbage can. It's relationship with Jesus. To Paul, Jesus wasn't an add-on in his life, but Paul took on and clothed himself in Jesus. He was his new identity. His brand new identity. All that he would brag about would be Jesus. Not any of the things that he used to do. And as, as well as he kept the law, all the little details, no, that has nothing to do with God being pleased with me. I found it myself in Jesus by this faith. Pretty amazing. You know, one of the things I am thankful for, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. It's one of those things I'm going for this week. Uh, during Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that I'm an American. I really am. I've traveled in many, many nations uh, throughout my life. And I, I really haven't been in a nation that. I have felt as free or as thankful for on the earth in this nation. I know that we've done a lot of bad stuff over time. There's been a lot of mess ups. There's been a lot of uh, corruption, just like there is in every other nation. But I'm really thankful to America. In fact, uh, one trip I did was to a, uh, a really rough, war torn country that was really ravaged by a horrible leader, which happened so much in the world. I was there for only 10 days. I had garbage thrown at me, some garbage piles that would drive by. Never knew what was going to happen next. The currency was, the inflation had gone so crazy that I went to a restaurant to buy some food and I brought a stack of money that time, literally. I set it on the table for my dinner. Which brought me a big bag. To have enough to pay for that food because the inflation had gone crazy. The currency was at no value. When I arrived back to the United States on that trip, I literally got on my knees and kissed the ground. And I said, thank you, God, for this country. Thank you, God, for my citizenship. At the same time, yes, I am an American citizen, but it's not mine. And it's not yours either, if you're an American. Or whatever nation you're from. We have some Canadians here. And some people on the other if you're from another country, it's just to another country that you know. We have Ukraine, you Italian, or Indian, or whatever nationality now. Yeah. English, I forgot that. You're from India originally, but English, right? Do you find African? Right, you know, Dave. Yeah, Italy. Um, Canadian, I know. What, what country are you? Germany. Who else? Russia. Sweden? Sri Lanka? Really? I need to talk to you. I have to meet you afterwards. I used to live there. I've never been to Sri Lanka since I left. 
Wonderful. So you're from, oh yeah, where else? Thailand. How about that? Man, welcome all of you. I'm so glad to have all of you here from different, yeah, from different nations. It's a wonderful thing. All these amazing nations in the world. Yet, your identity isn't your nation. Our identity isn't being American. It is entire kingdom. The Bible says we are citizens of heaven. For our citizenship is. It's a step above, and we are from a kingdom that cannot pass away. It's not war-torn. It's not ruled by an evil person. In fact, this person came and gave his life and set us free and purchased us and brought us into his kingdom, gave us his citizenship, and we're now heirs with him, joint heirs with him in this kingdom that lasts forever. It only grows over time. It doesn't diminish, only grows over time. So our citizenship is in heaven. Our identity is in him and his kingdom. So we can be thankful for the nations that we are part of here. But man, it's not my identity. I'm so grateful for that. Verse 9, And we may be found in him, I'll say to himself, not having the righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That is such a radical thing. And we're so used to it now because we know this, we live in this. But listen, this is a radical thing. There are people in every religion around the world doing things trying to do the right things to be pleasing to whatever deity or whatever. Our righteousness comes from faith in the one who is righteous. Isn't that incredible? It really is. I don't want that to ever grow old in my heart where I, I'm not going to wonder at the righteousness that I get to have because he's righteous. I am not he is, but I believe in him, but I trust in him, and I receive what he's done for me. So now I'm righteous. It's the best deal ever. Of all time, that you can walk around as a righteous person. Not in your own flesh, but in him who is righteous. All right? That I may know him, verse 10, that I may know him, he says this again, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow me, I gave you to yourself. To yourself, to your own wants, desires, selfishness. Paul says, I'm conformed to his death. And this is about knowing him. This is the greatest privilege, I believe, in life is knowing Jesus. Knowing him. That we get to know him. Verse 11, if someone if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I will do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Paul had a lot to brag about if he was still a Pharisee. But he had shame as a believer because of the torture and the arrest of the believers and watching overseas even be stoned to death. There was a lot of this shame related to that. Let's see, his eyes were opened and the scales fell off his eyes and realized who Jesus was. And then what all that he had done, I'm, I'm certain that the enemy probably tried or attempted to pound him with thoughts of what do you think you're doing, ministering to people, wanting to help people, thinking to people, writing these things when you're a murderer. When you're lousy, look what you've done to You've heard people, there are mothers who lost their sons because of you. I'm certain that those type of words and thoughts and feelings followed Paul, probably attacked him. I think that's one reason we could say this, I am forgetting what lies behind me because he's been forgiven. Both the good things I've done and the lousy things I've done, I forget those things and I'm going to keep my eyes on what's in it. I'm going to keep my eyes on moving forward on the goal that he calls um, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, the last couple of days, I've been thinking about this upward call as well, of my own call. I think it's good every once in a while to consider what has God said to you personally throughout your life, especially your morning in life, since you have been rebirthed. What are the things that God has put in your heart spoken over you, that he has said to you, that you've heard, that you felt, related to your calling, related to what you are on the earth to do, and are you doing it? Are you pressing forward in that? Are you looking through the windshield and not the rearview mirror? You know, it's the lousy driver that spends more time looking in the rearview mirror than it does the windshield. You've got to be looking straight ahead. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm doing I'm looking at I know I'm called to do this thing. You would say to me, turn out a letter. I am an apostle of Jesus. Sent to do this. It's important that we know what is God asking me to do so that I can do this. I've had over my life, I can think of several people's faces come to my mind when I think about this. And I've had people tell me what they thought I should be doing. You ever had people tell you what they thought you should be doing? And the people who became very unhappy with me or disappointed with me, their faces fall when I tell them what I'm doing. That's happened to me many times. Many believers along the way have also done that and wanted me to be something that I wasn't. Do things that I wasn't. And it can wear on me. Honestly, I, that would be a battle that I've had in my life would be those words, because you love these people, but they want you to do something different. Bless you. They want you to go somewhere different. And I, you know, you, at some point, we all have to go, I am living for one. It's not my spouse either. Right? I'm living to Jesus. What has he asked me to do? What's the calling that he has given me 
to run with, to go with, to do, spiritually, naturally, so I think they go together. Your calling, in many ways, can have to do with your career, and how you live in that career and pursue that. Some of it is the spiritual dynamics that are outside of career. There are the, the few or however many that are called like I am to do this in a full-time capacity. Though I, I've had people, many people tell me, you ought to quit doing that. Go start a business, you're more of a business person. I've had people tell me that. And I, I look back, I was reading this prophetic word that I had over my life, I was reading this morning. Uh, it was in 1997. And it was so clear what my calling was. So clear. It's such a gift that everyone gets that. And it resonates in my spirit at the moment. It resonates when I read it right now. And it's not anything that I thought or wanted at the time. But it was God giving me a kiss. Putting this in my heart saying, but this is what I have for you now. This is what I have for you. My best of my ability, I'm running with it. And I'm not going to stop running with that calling. For all of us, we want to run into and with the calling that is supposed to. If you don't know what it is, for you, ask. Ask. Holy Spirit, show me what your calling is, that upward call that you've given to me. Show me what it is. Make it clear. Not just give all my ideas of what I'm going to do. I give all those to you. I ask that you would show me what it is that you've called me to. Because in that day, at the end, when all of us stand before the Lord, I think it's going to be one of those questions I've got to believe that he's saying, well done, right? Which is what we all want to hear. Good and faithful servant. In other words, those who did what I wanted them to do. Not just what they thought was a good thing to do. So it's good that we know what it is that he wants us to do. And his invitations, whatever they are, is your high calling. It's a high calling to be invited by God to do Whatever it is, if it's serving someone, and your name is never known, if it's going somewhere, Whatever the invitation that God puts in you, on you, asks you to do, it's a high call. It's not a small thing. It's a beautiful thing. Paul said, this is Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men or of God? Or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Trying to be popular by people means that we will most certainly miss the calling of God. If that's our name to be popular. To be pleasing to others. There are many of you in here, and you've had to do the opposite of what your parents wanted you to do. Because God told you to do that. And for your whole life, while they're alive, they may be disappointed. I'm sorry about that. But you can also there's one who will say to you, yeah, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. Enter my rest. There's reward for all of us who follow him 
just follow him. Okay, verse 15. Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude to pursue your calling. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will do that to you as well. It's okay, God's going to obtain the Bible on this. However, let's keep living by that same standard to which we have obtained. Verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and I tell you, even as I do, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their own heart, whose glory is in their shame. Who have their minds on earthly things. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we so excuse me, also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Chapter 4. Verse 4, start there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I'll say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. That rejoicing that he's saying here doesn't mean you always feel like it. He's saying rejoice. Just make a choice. It's kind of like loving people, loving your spouse. Many times it's a choice. It's not necessarily a feeling that you just let loose with. It's, it's a choice that you make. It says rejoice in everything. Rejoice. And then it says the Lord is near. The Lord is near. I think there's a couple of things that that could be. One is that it's close to the end when he will return. That's the end. Or at hand, as Jesus said. But I also believe that even more so probably speaks of in this context. The Lord is with you. He's near to you, right where you are. As close as your breath, the Lord is near. So, then, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. I love reading those four words first before you read verse 6. The Lord is near. Now, read verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, since he's right here. He's right here. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, anxious for nothing, but in everything else, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The picture I had for this today was whatever anxiety comes, take that anxious thought, that worry, that care that feels like it's gonna, things are gonna fall apart, and turn that thing into a paper and a And send it to the Lord. He'll catch it. Everything, every anxious thought, every anxious feeling, everything that causes you sleeplessness at night. God invites you to recognize his leader and then to give it to him. Give it to him by prayer. Supplication, let him know what's going on, what you're concerned about, and then switch and begin thanking him. 
faith can stop racing and go back to the right level. I understand about anxiety. It's been one of my big bullies that I have faced in my life. I struggled with the most, particularly in my 20s, was anxiety. And so it was normal to be stressed out all the time. Anxious, concerned, worried. And then I read this along with a couple of other passages, and it hit me. We're not supposed to be this one. I'm not supposed to be this one. This actually is more towards sin. If I'm anxious, I'm worried. Worrying is a sin. So if I'm worried, if I'm anxious about something, I need to confess that and distance myself from that and give those temporary points to the Lord. And it started to change in me, and I began to change, and he began to change me, so that I now have, I would say, kind of a process that I go through when anxious thoughts come, where I'm able to give it back to the Lord. And trust Him. And I still sometimes have to do it over and over. And I'm not perfect at that, but boy, it's so different. So different than the way I used to live. He does not want you to live with anxiety. There's one key person to live with anxiety. And if you feel like that's just me, or like that's the way my mom was, and that's just the way that I am, that's a living lie. And you're not supposed to carry that thing. So you can't just put out one single thing. Not one. What you can eat, what you can have tomorrow, and you can get rid of None of those things. Nothing. Verse 7. And the peace of God, if we don't do that, which surpasses all comprehension. That's amazing. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you will do that, not be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, the peace of God, the sense, takes the place of that anxiety, fills our hearts, surpasses all comprehension. I don't understand where this is coming from. It will guard my heart and my mind in Jesus. Peace will pervade. Verse 8. Finally, brother, whatever is true, now Paul switches in here and tells them instead of having any anxious thoughts, here's what you need to be thinking about. Finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell or think about. Dwell on these things. So he's saying we can definitely give those things away. This peace pervades. We can choose what to think about. We can choose what thoughts stay or remain. We can't always choose what thoughts come, but we can cast off thoughts. We can give them away to the Lord, and we can then begin to intentionally think about good things. We can think about things that are honorable and true and right and pure. You know, part of having a sound mind, mental difficulties, mental illness, mental troubles, there's so much in our culture today where there are battles, people are in battles mentally. Part of it has to do with this right here. See, if we get into the habit of, it's not for everybody, I understand that, but if we get in the habit of letting ourselves to be anxious and let our minds run away with anxious thoughts, I mean, it, it creates a 
every person in whatever they're doing, Lord, if that's the exact place you want them, Lord, I ask you to encourage them that they're right where they can be. That they are on track. That they are smack dab in the middle of the traffic. That if you want us to adjust course in any way, we ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Thank you for your power. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the supernatural. Thank you for your word. Lord, I want to say thank you for angels that are working overtime and we don't even need to see. In the air, helping us, ministering to the saints, as you said in your word, the ministers to the saints, which is us. Lord, I pray for your help this week. I ask for your um, communication with us, for your nearness your nearness, you would have experienced what you dreams about you. Help us through this season to be bright, bright lights. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.